Okay, so 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 we're talking about um, in in what ways do we discriminate? Um, now I know you're fairly new to Clubhouse. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so let's let let's get started and let's see how we how we get on and we can have a conversation. I see we've got Mark yeah. who's just joined us. Welcome, Mark. Um, if you want to come up uh, and join us, then by all means, you know, um, you know, indicate and come on up, or otherwise you can just listen. So, okay, so, yeah, so obviously I, I published a book in March this year and the book focuses mainly on racism, but um, this room focuses on kind of looking at all the other areas of discrimination and thinking about, you know, in what ways do we discriminate and really trying to get a sense of, you know, kind of providing safe spaces for talking about discrimination, but also thinking about you know the behaviors which we 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 which show up when people are discriminating what does that look like what you know in the language so that's that's really kind of you know what the room is is all about um and i'm hoping that people will come up and and share their stories really and 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 we can look at discussing um discrimination inclusion profiles which is something I'll, i can explain in more detail as we as we go along but before we begin, Tandy, do you want to just introduce yourself very quickly, and then we, and then I can introduce myself, and we can get going. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Tandy, and I'm um, I'm a clinical nurse specialist by profession. But in the last five years, I've worked in um, in the multicultural mental health space, uh, predominantly in in Australia. Um, I conducted and facilitated mental health literacy programs for migrants and also for government and not-for-profit organizations so my passion lies in um, tackling inequalities in health and looking at how racism um, can have an impact on the mental health of migrants um, yeah so that's me Brilliant, brilliant. No, thank you. Thank you so much for that, Tandy. And um, and certainly, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll have more discussions around, you know, kind of health disparities and inequalities in health, and and kind yeah. kind of how discriminations show up within within the health field. Okay, okay. So um, I'm Dr. Shungu, and I'm an a psychologist by training. I've been working now as a psychologist for over thirty years, um, and now I spend most of my time doing. Um, kind of, you know, legal, you know, expert witness work, as well as kind of uh, working within the diversity, equity and inclusion space. So, you know, my interests, you know, really in terms of this room, you know, in terms of starting this room, was to begin those conversations around, you know, in what ways do we discriminate and to try and get, you know, conversations going really where people can talk about how their biases show up in different areas and in different places. Um. And I was talking, you know, the other day on Eventbrite to someone who joined the room and we were kind of comparing how she, you know, how her understanding and ability to deal with different discriminations. And I sort of said to her, okay, so using the six stages framework, and I can kind of explain a bit more about what that is in a little while. But I asked her, where do you think you are 
on on the six stages framework in terms of in terms of your ability to uh to deal with racism and your understanding of racism and then where do you think you are in terms of your ability and understanding in terms of say lgbtq issues or in terms of gender issues and so forth so we were able to go through each of those areas and come up with a profile for her in terms of how she was managing within those areas and i'll say a bit more about that as we as we go along once i've kind of explained and described what their framework is but tandy what do you what what do you think about that in terms of inclusion discrimination profiles and what the benefits of that could be um sorry just one minute Sorry, I lost you there, Dr. Shingu. Can you repeat? Yeah, no, I was just trying to kind of, you know, get you in at this stage and kind of saying, okay, so, you know, we're going to be talking about discrim discrimination inclusion profiles where we look at yeah. an individual's ability across different discriminations, right? Um, and, yeah. you know, and kind of, you know, sharing an example of someone who had been an, at Eventbrite. Um, but, you know, let's yeah. not, let's, let's kind of, let's let's really kind of think maybe to start with just about the mm. principles and concepts underpinning the six stages framework right yeah so one of the key yeah. concepts is around kind of learning to have conversations about racial bias and confronting mm. the ways in which we discriminate you know why is that important you know is that something you know you you know you kind of recognize as a key need you know, in, in terms of the, your work, have you seen that as something which is key? Yeah, um, I think it's it's important for everybody to, like all of us, to realise um, our own unconscious bias and how we discriminate, because it, it, it helps us to understand how other people feel. And sometimes we don't stop to think about how we discriminate because we're fighting for our rights, um, be it race, gender, or you know LGBTI um, cases. So having these discussions makes us realize that almost all of us, um, most of us are fighting for our rights in one way or another so the intersectionality then comes into play so i'll give you an example of um of um it's a it's a clinical example i i was invited to speak at um it was a forum for clinicians and psychologists and we were talking about respecting people's cultures and and also their religion and i was i was then saying to to the clinicians um at that event that for none for non-practicing um non-practicing religious people or for those people who are atheists it does not hurt them when they're faced with a patient who's religious to just listen um and not dismiss them because they don't share the same values and one of the psychologists said something to me that was really interesting um and she said it's interesting that 
you know, you can have people or a group of people fight to have their religious beliefs withheld. But also, they haven't thought about how other people have been subjected to sexual abuse in the name of religion. Right, right. So, if we if we are going to say that we should respect the religious and, and cultural um, aspects of somebody to, to provide holistic to provide a holistic approach, we should then be open to having discussions about how religion has been used um, to sexually abuse young boys, young men, and, and you know, and, and a lot of people. So in that moment, I guess it just made me realize that one way or another, we all discriminate, but we don't stop to think about how, when we discriminate, our actions affect other people. It might not be racially motivated, it could be religion, it could be a lot of things, but without having a platform to discuss um, to discuss these conversations and go deeper into them, because there's, there's sometimes often very uncomfortable to address without having a safe space to talk about these, then it makes, us, it, makes it really difficult for people to be open-minded. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's why when, you know, when I talk about the kind of the principles and concepts underpinning the six stages framework, it is very much about recognizing that we all have biases, recognizing that we are all on a journey in terms of our understanding of different different areas. And for some of us, we may be more advanced in terms of our understanding and ability to deal with racism. For others, it may be that we're more advanced in terms of our understanding and ability to deal with you know, issues around disability and ableism. And, yeah. you know, and that it kind of, you know, we all, you know, we're all at different stages and it's about trying yeah. to kind of identify and recognize where, where we are in terms of those different areas, you know, and, mm. and it, and it was interesting with this um, young woman who came onto this Eventbrite seminar, when we were talking about race, she sort of said, said to me, well, actually, I think in terms of my ability and understanding, you know, of issues around racism, I'm, I'm probably at about a stage four, but when it comes to my understanding and ability to deal with disability, I'd probably say I'm probably at about a stage three. And when it comes to LGBTQ issues, I'm at about yeah. a stage one. And she yeah. was able to kind of, you know, and, and I asked her, okay, so, you know, what makes it a four and a three, you know, and, you know, you know, and a one, you know, kind of, you know, why do you say that you're at those stages? And she was able to describe that. And one of the things she said to me afterwards was, you know, I've just realized, you know, because she said something like, actually, I, I feel that sometimes I just don't have the confidence or the language when it comes to, you know, LGBTQ issues or when it comes to disability. And, you know, and she sort of said, you know, I've just realized that, you know, usually I frown upon my our white, you know, my white colleagues when they say that about, you know, issues around racism, you know, when they say yeah. they don't have the language and, you know, and their ability, I kind of think, well, you know, that's just an excuse. And she said, but I've just recognized that I'm saying exactly the same thing 
in terms yeah. of you know issues around disability and lgbtq issues and she said mm. you know you know i think I mean, maybe after this conversation i'll probably be a bit more gracious in terms of how i approach conversations yeah. with my white colleagues so i think yeah. you know it's really important isn't it that in a sense if we can open up those discussions and look and yeah. take that kind of intersectional approach we can then kind yeah. of support people to look at really yeah. kind of what their strengths are and what their areas of development are yeah. and where they are in terms yeah. of that journey yeah um and it's you know these conversations are very interesting i was speaking to um one of my colleagues two weeks ago um and we we're talking about discrimination and race and stuff and he said um even within the same race um you can find that people will be discriminated against um due to maybe their social economic circumstances and he gave me a, an example and he said in his culture if a young if a young woman um brought a boyfriend to show to show her parents um and they question him or question the young man about what where he comes from where they lived and what um what what culture and traditions and and which part of the country they come from and he said it's funny that i never thought that growing up we were actually discriminating by saying then oh my daughter can't marry a person from a different um from a different region yeah absolutely they were looked down on or what, for whatever reason or maybe their cultural religion was different and he said now he works in the de, um equality space and he says it's exactly the same thing that you have a white person discriminating against you because of the color of your skin um but we don't also stop sometimes to have conversations to say but hang on a minute within our own cultures within our own race there are ways that we're discriminating against each other um but maybe the people we're discriminating against don't have the language to say hang on a minute you're treating me differently because i'm from a different tribe yeah it's, it comes across as xenophobia or or something else people from who speak a different language within the same country um and it, when you start having those conversations and you remove the emotions aside, then you start to realize that we all have it within us um, to discriminate. But the important thing, which the six stages framework is good at, is making you more aware of where you are in those in 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 that work. Absolutely, um, yeah. The example that. Yeah, the example that you've given is, you know, it's very close to home for me. I've I've been working at advocating for for the rights of um, people with mental illness uh, from migrant backgrounds, but my work was primarily focused on race issues. But within within the ethnic minority issues, there's different kinds of work that you can do um that i never thought uh, I, that i never thought so my, i i would not necessarily have thought 
about what it feels like to be a patient, be a mental health patient from a migrant background with a disability. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. Um, so how do I, what, what can be done to empower you? Because it's different than when you're looking at the mental health for people who are able-bodied as compared to those with a disability. So it's very interesting. And the six stages framework is good because it makes you think and be aware of your surroundings and be aware of other issues that you've never thought about. It makes you understand then when sometimes people, when we think people are discriminating against us, and they don't have an understanding of what we've gone through. Um, and they don't know how to say, like you, was, you were saying that she didn't have the vocabulary for disability, but she has the vocabulary when it comes to issues of rights. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and, I, and I think you're right that in a sense, it's it is about being able to reflect and and really kind of you know do that introspection and explore you know kind of where our biases are but also i think one of the other things i often talk about when i'm doing doing training is you know kind of perspective taking you right know that whole thing of building bridges right and one of the uh, activities i i use when i'm when i'm doing trainings around kind of building bridges of empathy and perspective taking and supporting yeah. people to think about their caves of privilege, for example. So I often say, okay, so, you know, we all have caves of privilege and they're, they're designed in different ways, depending of, on what our privileges are. And that example you gave about, you know, people within the same ethnic group and the differences, you know, you'll get some people within, you know, within that same ethnic group who are more privileged you know, either because of socioeconomic, you know, uh, factors or in terms of class or in terms of, you know, whatever it may be, or, you know, different cultures where they've got, um, you know, you know a, a higher standing or they're seen as having a higher standing within, you know, within their communities. And that it's, it's really kind of, you know, providing people with that opportunity to reflect on those areas of privilege and how sometimes those privileges can can get in the way of us understanding and being able to interact with people who are different from us and yeah. and i think i've i've mentioned this to you before in terms of kind of you know here you know where the idea of the of the kind of the concept of caves of privilege came from and that was very much kind of from when i heard bob woodward who's um um you know a, a well-known figure in the united states and he was interviewing the then president uh, donald trump and he basically said to um president trump you know do you sometimes think that uh, being a white middle class guy um you know middle-aged middle class guy um as i am you know saying that you know that's the same for himself do you sometimes think that as white middle class men, that our experiences have fostered so deep within our caves that we find it difficult to understand the experiences of those who are different. And, you know, and, and I thought that was really powerful. And, and that's really kind of, you know, since then, that's when when I was writing the book, I included a chapter on caves of privilege because I feel that it really kind of sums up for me that kind of that need to explore 
what our caves of privilege look like and that those caves can look very different depending on our experiences and depending on our standing within any different yeah. you know, group. Um, but it was quite interesting hearing Donald Trump, you know, the President Donald Trump respond because his response was very much kind of, well, actually, no, I don't I don't feel that at all. You know, you've really kind of drunk the Kool-Aid, he said. So it was quite interesting seeing these two white middle class men talking about their experiences and perceptions and one who was feeling that actually because it was very it was around the time when Donald Trump when sorry when um, Judge Floyd was killed. And, you know, and, and, you know, it was quite clear that Bob Woodward was, was kind of feeling, well, actually, you know, I just feel that, you know, they, our experiences, you know, and kind of make it very difficult for us to understand the experiences of black men and others who are going through racism. And I thought that was really, that was really interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure what you think. Yeah, um, I think, you know, when, when when we're talking about empathy and and being able to understand the, the the experiences of others, it doesn't it doesn't come natural um, to everybody to be empathetic. People can be sympathetic quite easily and feel sorry for you and your experiences, but to walk in in someone else's shoes and experience what they're experiencing sometimes people struggle with that. And and I'll I'll give you an example. I, I went to, to the Ashoka conference in twenty eighteen. Um and one of the professors at the conference spoke about racism and how we can how those who have experienced it can change the language that they use to make it I guess in a way to make it easier for those who never experienced it to understand exactly what what it is that they they felt and and she gave an example and and she said sometimes when people are confronted about their actions in with regard in regards to racism they can be defensive because no one wants to be called out um but when you use language that people understand um you know something like she gave an example and she said when when someone's been racist towards you and you use an example of your actions belittle me or words like that they can relate to that because one you know throughout life chances are we've all been belittled to some extent so they'll have an understanding of what it is you're talking about so when you're explaining to those who you think that they've had the privilege and they've not had to experience what you're experiencing sometimes it's really it's really hard um for them and that's because they've not felt the uncomfortableness of what you're experiencing yeah no absolutely absolutely and that's why with the six stages framework you know we we do kind of take that intersectional approach because it's about mm -hmm. inviting people to consider areas they're more familiar with whether it be disability whether it be gender issues you know because you because you'll find as you, you know as you're saying that actually often you know when issues of race are, are raised you know people become very defensive and you know people you know become very polarized 
And, you know, yeah. and often it'll be kind of, well, actually, if you say something, it'll be, well, are you accusing me of being racist? And and before mm. the discussion has even begun, you know, you know, people have shut down. And that's they why, have. you know, yeah. yeah. And that's why with the, with the six stages framework, you know, I introduced an idea mm-hmm. called the prejudice, racism, equity spectrum, which really yeah. kind of helps to map out, you know, similar to, you know, and I often say to people, it's a bit like we talk about the autis- autistic spectrum disorder. And people will often yeah. say, well, actually, you know, we are all somewhere on that spectrum. You know, and they'll yeah. often say, well, actually, you know, whereabouts are you on the spectrum? And, and you know, and it becomes mm-hmm. a joke and people are able, able to kind of recognize some of the traits. And I, and I yeah. suppose, you know, when I was writing the Six Stages Framework, I sort of see conversations around race in the same way and around discriminations in the same yeah. way. That rather than just having a binary view of, you know, either you're racist or you're not, or either you are, uh, you know, anti-LGBTQ issues or you're not, you know, let's look at a spectrum of what the behaviours and the language looks like, you know, across those discriminations so that you can then invite, you know, you, you know, you, when you start the conversations, you can talk about where you are in terms of your biases towards different groups. And yeah. you can also then invite others to look at that for themselves. Yeah, and, and, and I guess, you know, listening to you speak now, it, you know, it's just dawned on me that, you know, the way that historically we've dealt with issues of race and discrimination is very binary. You either or you are, you know, you're not. Um, and, and, and again, that leads to people being defensive and didn't allow for a safe space to talk about those who, maybe because of their upbringing, maybe they were brought up with um, parents who were racist, they've taken in some of that and they're working towards not being. But because they are on that journey, when they're called out, if there's no safe space to discuss where they are in their journey, then people will tend to say, actually, no, I'm not. And then that just, you know, like you said, people will just shut shut down and then not allow for growth. Because we're all, all on a journey and we're growing and we're learning. So the six stages framework is good in that it, it allows for people to, if they have been or if they are racist or the, their behavior sometimes is, is, is comes across as racist, they can look they can look at where they are, like you're saying, on a spectrum, and think, I used to think that about black people or Mexican people, whatever it is. I've changed my attitude now, um, but still, I still have some biases, and I need to work on how I can get better. So it just allows for people to not be perfect, to not get it right the first time. Because if you've never... If, if you've come from a different country or you've never experienced people from a different culture, the expectation is you take them in and you're empathetic and you're not racist. But if you've never experienced them, then you don't know um, how your actions might come across to them. But the, the six stages framework in, is good in that it allows for people to not be perfect when we're talking about issues of race, but encourages us to work towards 
becoming better in understanding other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's spot on that actually, you know, that, you know, it, it allows for people to kind of think about actually, this is where I am. And this, this is the action I need to take to move in the right direction. Um, and but it doesn't polarize in terms of that kind of, you know, you're either, you know, you know, sexist, racist or this, you know, it yeah. actually allows for those conversations mm -hmm. and that exploration of actually, you know, what are the behaviors and what is some of the language which is causing people to, um, you know, to kind of raise these issues? You know, you can explore that in a safe space and be able to consider yeah. that. Yeah, is the I think it's the creation of safe spaces um, and how we can do that sometimes that people struggle with. Yeah, um, I find the intention could be there, um, and you know people who have the best interests at heart and they really are trying, but if we've not created a safe space, then it makes it hard um for people <coughs> to engage in these conversations openly without pointing fingers at each other as you can imagine when you start talking about any kind of discrimination it brings about a lot of emotions so it's finding the balance of okay you know it's it's okay there's all these emotions we can't tell people not to not to be upset they have experienced this they give them the platform to be upset to talk about their experiences but after we've discussed that and acknowledged those experiences how do we then move forward for them and also for the people who um they could feel like discriminating against them yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why, you know, within the book and also within the training we do, we, we talk about emotional intelligence, right? And I did my doctorate yeah. in the area of emotional intelligence. And I think, you know, we can learn a lot in terms of that kind of combining emotional intelligence in supporting us mm. to think about how we, you know, we can support people during those difficult conversations. So, you know, obviously emotional intelligence talks about empathy, but it also talks about emotional regulation and then the need to kind of support people to recognize the different emotions they're experiencing, you know, during the conversations, but even before the conversations take place, right? Because for some people, even before they get to the door of these conversations, they 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 feel that they you know they don't feel safe they feel that they can't have the conversation so usually you lose most of the people before the conversations begin so it allows yeah. you to support people to explore their emotions you know and explore you know their anxieties you know around yeah. these conversations and to really think about what needs to be in place for them to make them feel safe yeah and, you know, just talking about this, I think another, I always battle with this because I think in some way for those people who've, who've experienced microaggressions at work or wherever, um, on top of racism and all the other types of discrimination that they have experienced a lot of people 
might not have the emotional intelligence um, that you know we would say is required to to do this work or to put your point across if you ever experience discrimination. And I think the expectation of those who's, who have been discriminated against to have the emotional to have the emotional intelligence, I think the expectation is very high. Yeah. That when you start having these conversations, people defend themselves. Those who have been discriminated against become angry. So how do we, um, this is our question to you, how do we create a space where people are allowed um, to be angry because they've been discriminated against and have those people who then we might say they're the perpetrators acknowledge that their actions are causing someone to become angry but not shut down to the point that the conversations don't continue yeah no absolutely absolutely and i think that is you know that kind of work you know takes time right because I yeah. think, you know, it's emotions can get very heightened and, yeah. you know, and people are dealing with very different things. And you don't, you, you, you know, you need to have worked with people, you know, with a group or with an organization yeah. for a long period of time in order to create that safety where people yeah. feel that they can express themselves. But not only that, the people who've been discriminated against can express their feelings, but also that they can be heard, Right. Because I think, yes. you know, unless everyone feels safe, you know, it, it'll mm. not only impact on their ability to express yourself and sort of say, yeah. well, you know, how you how the discrimination has, has impacted on you, but it also will, um, you know, impact upon kind of, uh, you know, kind of how your the listener is able to, you know, to kind of deal with their 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 the the information they're receiving. Um, and, you know, and in I think, you know, my experience is we're a long way off from being able to support groups and support people in having those conversations. And I'll give you an example. I was, I was speaking to a friend of mine, you know, who and uh, she's, you know, white. Um, she's a few years older than me, so she's in her late 50s. Um, and she said to me, you know, when she found out that I'd written written the book and I and I could see that she was finding it really difficult reading the book. And we've been friends, yeah. you know, for many years since I was 15, you know, and she's my, you know, yeah. essentially she's my she's my best friend. Um, and she said to me, you know, when we were talking the other day, because we hadn't seen each other for a while. And I, you know, and we, we, you know, we kind of had to have this conversation because I think both of us realized that we needed to, you know, talk about my book and talk about, you know, um, our relationship. And one of the things she said to me was, you know, I sort of feel like, you know, you've, you know, by writing the book, you've, you've turned me into a white person that's prejudiced, you know, and I, you know, and I found it really hard to understand what she was saying. But afterwards, yeah. I realized that what she was saying to me was that in opening up this kind of can of worms, as it were, almost, that it, it was forcing her to look at an area you know, which forced her to look at her biases and prejudices. Yeah. 
And, you know, and I did say to her, you know, you know, I'm inviting everyone to do that, not just white people. But I could see that, you know, from everyone, but from I could see that from her position. She was very much seeing it as well, actually, um, you know, you know, I'm being forced to, you know, to delve into these really difficult areas and to be uncomfortable. And I and I'm not sure that I'm ready to do that. You know, yeah. you know, which was which was really interesting. And she even said to me that, you know, but when we are out and about, you know, you, sh you know, Shungu, you know, you're the one who is more, you know, outgoing and you're the one who's in charge. And, you know, and I found myself, had you know, hearing and trying to kind of make sense of our relationship and to justify yeah. that actually you can't experience racism or discrimination more than me because you know, you're more outgoing and you're more this. And, you know, and I kind of find myself thinking, well, actually, you know, that that lack of understanding about how structural racism and, you know, operates and the kind of the power dynamics seem to yeah. be really key. And, um, yeah, and, you know, it was a really interesting conversation. And, and, you know, but I do think that a lot of white people, when we open up conversations around racism, they feel put on the spot and they feel that, yeah. you know, basically they're being blamed, you know. And that's yeah. why there was an article which um, in the, the Economist where they sort of said, well, actually, you know, sometimes, you know, the term unconscious bias can be really pro problematic because for some people they see unconscious bias, you know, as, um, you know, as kind of, you know, you're saying that actually, you know, this is not me who is doing this, but it's my unconscious bias. They, they see it as an excuse, right? Where, you know, whereas for some others, they see unconscious bias as a sin and one which needs to be confessed before they can get redemption. So it's like, you know, you've got to kind of confess all your sins as a white person before you can get this redemption. And, yeah. you know, and the, the article, The Economist was kind of saying, well, actually, you know, you know, they were actually, you know, agreeing with what I say within the six stages framework that actually the focus should be not on things like unconscious bias, but it should be focusing on kind of the ways in which we discriminate and how that yeah. shows up and how that manifests itself. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I've, I've said a lot there. So, I, you know, so yeah, so thinking about my friend, clearly kind of thinking about her response to the book and yeah. her response to my invitation, really, to explore these issues and really yeah. kind of, you know, her fear that actually by by asking me to do this, you're turning me into this white prejudiced person. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it can it can be confronting um, for others. If, you know, for a lot of people, when you start talking about, you know, the six changes framework and the different ways in which we discriminate because i i don't think um i don't think as a society um we've put in the different ways in one conversation it's you know we've, we've separated it so the six stages framework is looking at different ways in which you discriminate, be it race, gender, um, you, you know, it's bringing the issues together. Yeah. Which then, you know, if we go back to our conversation today, you're talking about the lady who said, 
you know, was saying to you when I'm assessing myself, um, for race, I'm at a four, and then for disability, I'm at a two, and for something else, I could be, I could be a three. Um, so for, you know, for the first time, we're bringing all these conversations um, into one space, and it's, it's, it's so, it's interesting when you assess yourself using you with using the six stages framework and then even for myself i i i thought okay i've got a lot of work to do in other areas i yeah. can speak on race i can speak on other things but um you know on issues to do with disability lgbti um and other types of discrimination i need I need to work on that. I need to have the vocabulary and I need to listen more, I think, and, and start having conversations with people who are discriminated in different ways to me. Because I think a lot of times we tend to focus on how things are affecting us. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if, yeah, if you've never had um, the experience or if you've never sat down with someone with a disability and spoken to them, about the different ways they've been discriminated against, um, then you wouldn't know that, the, the, you wouldn't know about their experiences. But the funny thing about these conversations is when then you bring people together, you then realize that pain is pain. Yeah. So when I feel discriminated against, the emotion that it evokes and how it feels for me is most likely to be you know a similar experience for someone who's being discriminated because of race religion or their sexuality yeah absolutely yeah absolutely the emotions and the pain which you experience and the you know they feel the unjustness of it all you know you know it's you know it's yeah. similar right and our responses yeah. as human beings are similar mm. You know, in terms of yeah. those, you know, just how unjust and how unfair, and you know, and and so forth. Yeah, yeah. So this, you know, it's it's these are really good conversations um, to have. My friend and I, we we often have this discussion um, that, you know, sometimes you know, as humans, we're quick, we're quick to point. Um, and say the discrimination or the injustice, um, the injustice here or is there. But sometimes it's within our own communities. Um, you know, a perfect example I had um, by one of my colleagues was um, the differentiation, you know, between Black African and Black Afro-Caribbean and how that sometimes um, there's, you know, people want to bring a, a demarcation between between the two. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, there's there's prejudices and biases um, in that space. So there's loads of conversations um, that we, you know, that we need to have uh, within within the same race. Um, and, and, and it's the same as well within the, the, the European, uh, the Caucasian race. Um, it's the same when you've got the East European um, and, and the white British. And the way sometimes they view each other, slightly different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was speaking to 
Now, I was doing some work with an organization in you know Bangladesh, and, we, and one of the things, a conversation with one of the consultants I was working with, and she was talking about, you know, the, the different cultural, you know, prejudice and discrimination which occurs between different groups, you know. And, yeah. you know, and I also think, you know, someone mentioned to me when I was doing the Eventbrite seminar, and I, I was kind of talking about different expressions of discrimination, and they were talking about Ukraine and Russia, you know, and I think, you know, looking at the different, eth- you know, ethnicities within, you know, and I was listening, you know, within one country and, you know, I was listening to the news and they were talking about how in, in Ukraine, you know, I think it's about, is it, um you know, about 40% are, are, eth- are kind of, you know, are, are Russian by ethnicity or something, you know, and, you know, and, and they were talking about some of those tensions and some of those issues um, and it's really, and it's quite interesting because, you know, what I was approached recently by a young girl from the Ukraine who, a young woman who is a psychologist. And she actually said to me, look, you know, I'm really interested in the work you're doing because I'm working, she said, with uh, young Ukrainians who are, who have, who have kind of come, come over to the UK and, and she's Ukrainian herself. And she was sort of saying, yeah. no, but what I'm finding is that, um, you know, you know, we, I'm having to do. I'm. I'm kind. Kind of struggling to support them in exploring, you know, issues of inclusion in terms of their own experience of discrimination, but also sometimes the discrimination which they show towards others. Yeah. You know, and you know, you know, and I thought that was really interesting. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, you you're getting people who've been, you know, forced and misplaced and placed into a a country because of the problems and the issues within their own country. And suddenly they're having to, you know, to kind of, you know, to, to really um, adapt and to, you know, to kind of get used to uh, people who are different. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was just saying, I know I lost you there for a minute, but yeah. So it was very much kind of just listening to that, this young Ukrainian woman talking about her experiences and and the work which she felt needed to be done in supporting these young Ukrainians to to kind of you know you know to be able to engage and 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 really be more more fully included um within communities but to also to be able to understand um their own kind of relationship with those who are different Tandy, are you still there? Or have I lost you? Okay. So I think, I think, we, oh, you, you, yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah. I think we're about ready oh. to draw things to a close. But did you want to respond to that in terms of the Ukrainian young woman, young psychologist who I was talking about? Yeah. Um. I think what makes, what makes it harder and, and, and difficult for a lot of people is not having the vocabulary to describe what you're experiencing to someone who is different. So I can imagine, you know, for people who've come from Ukraine and they're trying to settle in the United Kingdom and all of a sudden they are different, they're viewed as different. Yeah. Um, by nature of how they come to the United Kingdom, they're now a group of people there, you know, you know, it could be refugees. So their status has changed. Who they are, their identity has changed. And they're trying to process all that. And they might be 
they might be treated differently as well to what they would have expected. So for the first time, they're probably experiencing being different. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and not knowing how to how to relate this information to others and what they're feeling. And, and, and I guess in time, we, we, you know, as, you know, as people settle, we will hear more, more of these stories. Um, and maybe there'll be vocabulary and ways of expressing ourselves, but it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it is that struggle between kind of, you know, being, you know, suddenly being, you know, someone who is viewed as different, you know, you know, and 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 also suddenly being forced to engage and interact with people who are different. You know, when you've come yeah. from a country where you don't have much diversity, right? And I think all yeah. of that, you know, all of those challenges can make it really difficult. And, you know, and I was really pleased to hear that, you know, this young psychologist was actually holding these groups and looking at how she can support young ukrainians on their journey you know in terms of kind of their yeah. developmental journey and you know and she was saying you know she works with um young people who are aged between you know from 11 to 21 and wow. and that a lot of the focus in in the workshop she's doing are around mm -hmm. you know how how can you know about kind of the relationships you know with um with people who are different yeah who are different yeah 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 Tandy, I think we've we've probably covered enough for today. So, you know, unless yeah. you've got anything else you wanted to say, I think we're going to call it a day and, you know, and um and hopefully we'll meet again next week and have another conversation. Okay. Um Oh, yeah, definitely. I haven't it's, gone yeah, through Yeah, I haven't gone through what the six stages are, but I don't think we need to. I mean, the book, you know, I'd pin that up, you know, at the details of the book um which is available through Amazon. And it's called Understanding and Dealing with Everyday Racism, the Six Stages Framework. Um, so, and also if you go to my website, which is um, www.sixstagesframework.com. So www.sixstagesframework.com, you will find a lot of information as well as kind of links to, you know, to the book and to the workshops um, where we're doing um and you'll you'll yeah so you'll be able to kind of see a lot more information about the six stages framework and also there's some developmental matrices which we use within our training to support you to have these conversations okay tandy over to you for the final word anything else you wanted to say before we finish no thank you uh no i just wanted to say thank you um you know for creating a platform that we can have this conversation in a safe space safe place and i look forward to meeting you next week and we can explore some of these issues thank you tandy and and let's hope that you know we we have a few more people joining us um yes. and you know and for those of you who are listening to this as a replay you know if you're not following um the the uh the kind of the six stages framework um you know club or the discrimination and inclusion profiles then please, please, you know, have a look at the top of the page and you'll see a little greenhouse. And, you know, if you click on that, you'll be able to follow us and and kind of keep up to date with some of the conversations we're having. 
So on that note, I'm closing the room. Thank you so much, Tandy, for joining me and look forward All to right. our conversation Thank next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.